How do we do this again, JB? Um, good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. That's the one, the good overnight is the exciting one. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't actually know what that means, really. No, no. Anyway, um, uh, yes. yeah, well, hello, listeners. Um, thank you for joining us in a new decade of excitement um, and uh, uh, probably a whole host of other things that we've forgotten how to do this thing. But anyway, I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. Just wondering what on earth we're going to do, what buttons to press. And how we're going to pull all our listeners through from 2019 into 2020. Hopefully, we will keep some of them. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, welcome to the Global Leadership Podcast. This, if you haven't listened before, if this is your first um, experience of the joy, um, this is all about leadership. And we we have a fun but deadly serious take on uh, leadership, on how to lead, manage and coach your people. It, it's basically a bit about that. And it's with myself and JB. And, um, and there you go. But for those of you that are rejoining us again, thank you for coming back. I have to say, JB, I've been monitoring. You and I haven't spoken this decade yet, have ironically no we haven't no we haven't we've been texting each other because we can't be that far away from each other so we have to have some sort of contact um but it is uh, the listener unfortunately can't see your lovely face and thankfully can't see mine Mm. um but ant is sitting in his uh, bedroom i think home office office. yes and and the and the the light is shining on his lovely head yes and and it's reflecting back it's quite nice. It's a lovely clear afternoon here um, in early January 2020. Um, anyway, so um, if you haven't listened to us before, here's the thing. Um, we will today uh, have a topic, a theme, which is an interesting one, which I guess me or JB will introduce in a minute. We'll also have, I've only got two listener questions, JB, because we exhausted, I think, most of them just before Christmas and I've had two sent since. Um, also a few shout outs to do. Perhaps we'll do those later on in the podcast. Um, but I guess first, and foremost the listener no doubt is desperate to know what has happened to you and i since we last met in i believe mid-december 2019 well um what shall i go yes you definitely you first okay well i'm a stone heavier no, <laughs> when i feel it i do you know i i just i had to get back to work i think i was killing myself uh with the joy of christmas i, I was eating everything that was put in front of me like a good boy, like I was trained by mm-hmm. my mother. Yes. Um, and I, I know I shouldn't say it, but I was drinking excessively. But, I, you know, I'd, it's very hard when, you know, you have social events and you're going to all of these things and people have this expectation that you're going to be jolly and probably drunk. And so all of that was going on. And so I put on a lot of weight. Uh, however, I am now back on my steps i'm doing steps ten thousand steps minimum per day uh with the exception of today actually today uh has been a little bit busy a little bit chaotic and and here we are with this so whether i'm going to get my ten thousand in i don't know and i'm just going to blame it on you if i don't and your and... favorite christmas present i've got to ask Ooh, ooh, ooh. um gosh was a lovely new coat um yeah, one of those sort of blue puffery kind of things to keep me warm. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, Crystal and I are, are going to be going cycling, not in it, but with it. Um, and that and that should be quite good fun. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, back back in the uh, health and fitness uh, routine, 
back in do, doing my morning exercise routine, which I won't bore the listener with, but it is an important it, it one ri- for me. It rhymes with planking. I mean, no, it is planking. God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. That's how we're going to start 2020. <laughs> um, yes. Well, so I work off the, off the basis that um, you just do a few little things every morning and you just gradually build up from there. Uh, rather than saying, right, I'm going to lose a stone by the end of March, you know, I do, at the times I've done that, it doesn't work. So just 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 doing gradual little steps, um, my press ups, um, which I've now got up to 12, and also my plank, which is now going at uh, 80 seconds. I've got my plank at 80 seconds every day and my 12 press-ups. And um, I, I, I can definitely feel some firmness around my shoulders. Wow, I'm impressed. And, yeah. and is this in line with the New Year's resolution then, is it? Well, I, that's more of a keeping things up um, and not and not letting that go. I, so, you know, Christmas was, was difficult uh, because when you've got a hangover and you feel like Mr Blobby, the last thing you want to do is to uh, do planks and press up. So, I, and to be to be honest, I, I had a I had a kind of couple of weeks off of that. Mm, nice. Now, what about you? That's enough about me. Um, Christmas was chaotic for children. Um, it's always going to be busy, uh, and uh, similar to you, ate probably my weight in chocolate and drank my weight in alcohol. I then, um, for New Year, had a very pleasant, quiet experience for New Year this year, which was great. Um, but yeah, likewise, um, now need to shift the pounds. Um, I'm in a situation where uh, I have put on two stones since I uh, bottomed out. I think you'll recall about eighteen months ago. Um, and now I need to get that two stone back off. So unlike you saying it's not sustainable, I am going to do uh, that pledge of by the time you and I do a podcast, uh, middle of February um, is my target. Um, I'm going to Paris. By the time I go to Paris with work, um, I intend to be um, back to where I was. Is the plan. And is it, are you doing that because it's in Paris or it just happens <laughs> to be Paris? Well, look, I'm on stage in front of um, 150 odd people and I've de- I'm determined because I can guarantee there'll be some photographer there that I don't look like Mr. Blobby. You're taking your clothes off or something. What are you going to? What yeah. are you performing at? Anyone in the UK that's seen a programme called Naked Attraction, that's what I'm going on. <laughs> Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so that that's me. New Year's resolution, yeah, to keep the weight off this time. Um, probably take the pace a little bit slower than I did last year. I think a few people accused me of burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. Um, and um, yeah, and the other thing I'm desperate to do this year is, as you and I have spoken about a few times, which is to do something for the community, as in um, unemployed folk or something. So I've got that in the back of my mind, but maybe we talk about that on another podcast. Well, we might be helping ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Anyway. It's, it's, it's um, always a piss of all, it's a possibility. Yeah, oh, that's the explicit tag already on the podcast. <laughs> Can you get that out? Edit that out. <laughs> anyway, now, what are we doing here, Ant? What are we doing? What is today's focus? So we're quite lucky. We have had a really good listener suggestion of a podcast, and it's quite a selfish podcast choice by them because it's a question which will probably fill up a good half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, they start a new job with a new company next Monday because we are recording this slightly later in the year than we anticipated. So next Monday, they begin their new job as a leader 
um, of, I believe, over 50 people with about eight or nine direct reports in a new organization that they've never worked in before. They have no technical skills in relationship to this organization, but they're going in as a new leader to this organization, um, hopefully to bring about uh, change um, and restructuring. But basically their request of us is, what should be my first 100-day plan to bring my people with me? Dink, 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 dink. Are you dink, saying it's Mission dink, Impossible? Dink. No. Okay. Phew. This is very... <laughs> this is... Podcast over. See you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... It, it, so um, Mission Impossible, they always manage to pull it off in the end, don't they? They do. Very true. They get their instructions uh, and, you know, they're sitting on the plane, they open up the thing, the cassette and everything. And and so this person's got to do this within within 100 days just to make it all quite sort of exciting. Um. So I've got some thoughts uh, that I'm this, happy to share. I guess this for our favourite listener, Paul, um, being dead practical, this will probably be one of those ones where we go tick, tick, tick in his mind. That would probably make a change. It would. Yeah. Anyway. As <laughs> anyway. Were, sorry. Well, so I think that the starting – is this Paul we're talking about? Yeah. Well, he always sure. says, "Keep it, you know, loves it, loves it, keeps it practical, likes a bit of practicality." I know. I've always got Paul in my mind when I when I go off piste, <laughs> and I'm thinking, right, I've got to get it. I've got to get it back. We've got to get it back into practical land. Well, let's start then uh, with the first thing that I recommend, and and then perhaps if I do one, and then you do one, and and then we'll see where we go. Okay. Um, unless we got on a roll and we do something different, so. Um, I think it would be fair to to say that the first part is assessing the team. Uh, you know, you 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 need to think about uh, what kind of leadership team you've got. I don't know whether there are any HR bods uh, in this organisation that he can talk to, so he can get a a really good uh, bit of information, a diagnostic about every every single person uh, in that leadership team. Um, and to then once uh, having that, uh, interviewing every single one, having a conversation with every single one. And you and I have talked about things like the skill will matrix before, uh, where you can plot people on where they think they are. You know, are they at their peak performance? And, and if you ask people, you know, are you at your peak performance? They're going to say, well, not, not yet, not right now, unless they're extremely arrogant. Um, so okay, well, let, the, automatically we've got some some gaps. Where where are your gaps in your skills? Where are your gaps um, in your desire to be here? In your uh, willingness to learn um, and uh, explore possibilities uh, of of being here. So um, I, you know, I think I think to actually just establish what you've got. There there are always people when you go into a new organisation that you probably quickly realise. Um, you know, they, they've had the memory chip inserted, um, but it's it's kind of a little bit stuck uh, with that memory and it, it, it's not able uh, to move on um, and to explore uh, the, the, the possibility of possibilities. So, you know, sometimes the, the, either the memory chip has to be removed or the person has to uh, think about their potential elsewhere. So I think in the brave new world, be prepared uh, to shoot a hostage uh, and i know that's a little bit harsh but uh, wow. i think yeah, i think you have to be prepared sometimes otherwise these people will hold back your 100 days and make things very very difficult so i think these interviews uh with your top leadership team 
very very important um, to see to see who's got the memory chip. Uh, sometimes that that's really valuable because you want the memories of the organisation because it adds to the to the brand and stuff, which which we might want to talk about uh, a little bit later. So I think it, it it's really uh, establishing the senior leadership team, uh, doing the diagnostics, checking them out, and be prepared to bring people in who are brave and ready and have a sense of urgency uh, to create the change necessary within that team. That would be my, that's a very important thing to to diagnose the team and to to establish your high trust, high performance team. My turn? Your turn. Thanks. Um, Okay. Um, So um, I would echo everything that JB's just said. So uh, no surprise, we tend to be quite aligned on these sorts of things. Um, I think the the beauty of these conversations and a structural uh, conversation to be consistent is to demonstrate your willingness to listen to um, those new direct reports and even consider skip meetings. What I mean by skip meetings is is, is encouraging roundtable discussions with six to eight of the direct reports of your direct reports. So eventually you get around the organization pretty quickly uh, and go with an open mind, you know, absolutely. You know, and, and go in there with a frame of mind that is I'm open to listen. Um, equally, there are some things that I'm likely able to change and some things I'm unable to change. So therefore, my additional tip would be probably within the first five days is to try and pull together a town hall. Town hall could be virtual if they're all over the place on a call or a Skype line or some description, or if they are all in the office together, get a meeting with them. And actually, um, just I guess it's difficult at this early stage of the job. It's very difficult to kind of put your mark in the ground as to what you expect to achieve. I wouldn't be surprised if at interview stage for this sort of role being as high as it is that you'd have had to have come up with some ideas of what you would do to change the current situation. But at the same time, um, even within those first few days, there is absolutely no, no reason why you can't talk about what attracted you to the organisation, um, where you see the organisation in 12 months from now in terms of the people agenda. So talk about the things you know about right now and also be honest about the things that you're yet to understand. And that's the purpose of your one to one on roundtable discussions, because on that basis, um, people come with that. They have. They already have a bit of a reputational understanding of what you are and what you're about, and the importance of your people. Now, I get it. Um, it is an unnerving thing because first impressions count, and within the first five days, you are going to be presenting to this group of people. But keep it simple but effective. Um, you know, focus on three things, and should have a start, middle, and ending. Uh, with a story intertwined throughout. Um, Be personable, um, be honest, um, and I guess also set a stand of how you like to do things Um, and something that people know in your previous organisation that you perhaps were were quite famous for in a non-arrogant way, of course. So for me, echoing what JB said, um, get around the table as quickly as possible with the skip directs as well as your directs, but in addition, have a town hall of descriptions just to kind of introduce yourself because you've got to remember, put yourself in the seat of these new people. There is a new leader coming in who, according to JB, is likely to shoot a hostage in the next couple of weeks. So so you want to reassure them because nine times out of 10, I can tell you when I've had a senior executive leader change my organization, whether they come with 
uh, high regard or otherwise, it always puts you in a vulnerable position because you are aware this new person will want to put their own stamp on things. And actually, if you're replacing an underperforming legacy leader, um, evidently, um, you are going to have to bring in change uh, and that will make people anxious. So I guess the, the final thing I'll do before I hand back to JB for his next tip would be also to JB's point in terms of the research of the people via HR is identify who they believe to be the keepers and also those that perhaps are a bit of a problem and the reason they are so, you know, the, the ones that perhaps might have the competence, but absolutely are perhaps the behavior wise against what you're looking to achieve. So there's a few things in there, um, but I guess first impressions count. And in terms of being accessible, demonstrating your accessibility via um, uh, these types of things will make a massive difference. There's my first one. Lovely. Well, can I pick up on uh, the town hall point? Mm. Uh, because I think it, 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 it talks to something about um, communicating vision. And, and I think that's a very, very important thing that we need to get right, uh, almost literally within the first 10 days, within the first, you know, 20 days, is being clear uh, about your own vision, not necessarily, you know, the vision of the business, unless one is very clear and established. And uh, not to get into any great detail of that. And, you know, leaders who, who use metaphors and similes and so on, I think I think can score very highly here. Um, because, I mean, I've talked about, you know, the man on the moon, building a rocket to get them there, and the values of getting them back alive. And that, that's quite a rich metaphor, if if you can say, actually, you know, I understand our, our moon is this, or my moon is this. And this is this is what I want to achieve in a in a pretty short space of time, or by you know June or July. So I think being clear about uh, th that vision, not getting into any great uh, detail, and certainly not boxing yourself in with overpromising all sorts of things that you might not actually uh, be able to deliver. Uh, this is a, this is the opportunity really to get your values out there, uh, and and if not to align your values with the values of the organization and make those make sense. This is this is your opportunity to campaign that. And it is a campaign. This 100 days is an absolute campaign. And it is well worth, you know, really thinking about what's your moon, what's your rocket, and, and you know, what are your values uh, to get everyone back alive afterwards and being able to communicate that effectively and practicing it and practicing it and practicing it um so the so that you articulate that well uh, on on the back of that i am i am going to add and it, i was i was thinking about it as another point but i think it does it does really fit and it's the self-awareness video uh you know the moment you walk into that building and you walk into that building again and again and again uh that you know the way that you come into a room the way that you make the coffee or offer to make coffee for everybody or, or however you do it uh th there's three three words which i think are a, a useful test uh for you to think about not not just in terms of what are you thinking feeling and doing um but actually what do you want those people around you thinking what do you want them feeling and what do you want them doing so be ready uh, with your campaign, you know the things that you're not being authentic, absolutely, um, but be clear about what what you want people to think as a result of having 
that little coffee moment with you, uh, how you want them to feel. You know, that might be that you want them to feel uh, excited, um, secure, uh, or insecure, or, um, you know, that there are a load of, um, there's, a, there's a possibility of possibilities because of this guy where we didn't, sorry, dogs are barking. Um, we didn't feel that before. This, this guy brings the possibility of possibilities. We don't know what they are yet, but he's guaranteeing that. You know, there's stuff like that, which become a little bit viral in organisation. So what do you want to think? What do you want to feel? And what do you want to do? But more importantly, um, you know, with your self, self-awareness video playing, the moment you arrive in that business, how is it looking? How are you doing? And being very, very acute, acute, um, and astute. New word, an acute. Nice. Uh, <laughs> right, that's that bit done. No, no, no. I think I think it's really valuable um, because I think if 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 you don't get this bit right, you will end up having to spend a lot more time doing it further down the line if you don't do it quickly. Um, and your reputation, I, and and so many leaders go in. I think. And I've seen this mistake happen in the last couple of years in my current organisation, I don't mind saying, where people arrive and they think the entire workforce that they've inherited were part of the problem, not the solution. And the risk is you start to exit people thinking that they were part of the problem because you're perhaps listening to some of the other people who have convinced you very quickly they're part of the solution. So I think having that awareness of... Number one, your reputation very quickly being determined by if you do shoot a hostage, the hostage you shot, um, and also um, that 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 what you stand for, the values. Um, I was sent a really interesting um, couple of excerpts from a book um, about leadership mystique. It's called um, by Manfred Ketz den Vries, I believe, um, from the Netherlands, sent to me by a Dutch guy who I do some work with, and um, he talked about the importance of a quote from this book which says you have to stop in order to change direction and I think there is a problem if you arrive and you're jumping on board a bus that's just at a bus stop and then it takes off from the bus stop and starts on that bus route that there is a risk that your direct reports struggle to change direction without stopping so in reference to what JB's talking around around a purpose and values and getting them to the moon I actually think budget permitting and I actually personally as a negotiable for me in any new role i get i always insist that i want to bring my direct reports with me wherever they are in the world to a one location off-site within a first month or two so by the 30 days ideally you've got your eight ten direct reports in a completely random place where you can have a conversation with them and get to know them quite intimately and you set your stall out of how you guys are going to do things moving forwards because they're going to have to change too. Again, nine times out of ten, whoops, excuse me, if you're on an upwards, sorry, I'm leaning back to stretch. Um, I'm losing a bit of weight. I might have to pull up my trousers, JB. Uh, if you do that ten times a day, and but you're going to look fantastic in Paris. That was my chair creaking, not my back, I should add. Um, so I think the, the, the quote from Eric Fromm um, is this, you have to stop in order to change direction. For me, that speaks volumes. You need to land the plane. You cannot build a plane mid-flight. Um, although once it's taken off, I guess you can make some alterations on the internals, but the engine and the landing gear... And the jet fuel can only be done when it's at a standstill and the engines are off. And you sometimes need to do that to refuel your people. And they may be arriving exhausted, 
because I've seen many managers that have been exited for underperformance and their last 90 days, their previous 100 days that you're now taking over from has been a pretty frantic period of either I'm out and you're now picking up the pieces of that person being gone or if you are even worse still, the new person that's been brought in behind the scenes before your predecessor has been exited two days before you arrive you're probably going to be inheriting some emotional baggage from these people too. So get your people together as quickly as possible and invest that time in getting to know them outside of work. I don't necessarily mean go and get drunk with them, although that is an option, which has worked very successfully for me. But um, I, for example, JB will know, um, I like to take my people to offsites in the middle of things like the mountains. So, um, in fact, I've had um, two annual offsites now with my direct reports um, in the Lake District in England. Um, from all over the world, they come over. So, you know, for example, China, Serbia, I land them in Heathrow. Then I say to them, off you go, get on a train uh, up to uh, up to pretty much the Scottish borders. And then we're going to get you escorted into the mountains and we're going to sit in a log cabin. Those places are where you can really stop and build your brand and your reputation and your people. And I promise you, they will thank you for it. It's far more better than sitting in a corporate meeting room for two or three days in an off-site in speech marks where the laptops are all plugged in um, get a flip chart get a piece of paper get some markers and a pen and just focus on what you need to know for now to build this team moving forwards because we're going to take this plane off again in two weeks and i ain't got much time otherwise hmm. is, that my is that a plane i hope so it's flyby they're still flying. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're still flying this afternoon. Happy Excellent. Days. Yes, congratulations. Um, so, I, I, so adding adding to that, uh, I it occurred to me that uh, the balance for this new manager of uh, leadership and uh, focus on people and let let's call it coaching shall we coaching mentoring yeah um and and then you know managing managing the business so so this this is the 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 eternal triangle of to lead to manage to coach and within those first 100 days how's your balance and you know again thinking back to the self-awareness video are people seeing you getting stuck into operational detail um because you know if you do that straight away uh, that's what people are going to think you are. They're going to think you are a manager uh, of the business, uh, an operational manager. Uh, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, um, but if that's what you want people to see on your video, uh, that's that's what that's what they'll get if you're getting stuck in to every single operational detail. The other the other option, obviously, is the is the leader, which is um, you know where you are uh, actually clearly looking at the bigger picture uh, you're looking at the experience of all stakeholders in the business you know what is the experience of the customer what is the experience of the employee what is the cust what is what is the shareholder experience um, you know what's it what's it actually like um, you know to be a fly on the wall uh, with this business as it is and where can we take it what's our moon what does it look like that's where the leaders playing their part I'd imagine, I mean, in the, the clue is in the title for this person's role. Mm. You know, if if they are a leader, uh, then, you know, maybe the balance needs to be weighted uh, towards the video just demonstrating leadership. Um, and that is about your vision. That is about being inspiring and making your business to be inspiring uh, with your storytelling, 
um, your metaphors uh, and your rich communication and your clarity um, and the way that you campaign it. So what's the balance between your manager and your leader? What are you going to do to set that up right? If, if you uh, intend, and it's important for you, uh, to be seen as people-orientated um, and a good, a good communicator, uh, and more importantly, as a great listener and a, and a great collaborator, uh, facilitator, then you need to start thinking about your video showing you in a in a coach like fashion, uh, you know, which is being very clear about you know the topic for conversation, um, and and the way that you actually help people uh, to to really think in a way that they haven't done so before. You have your so, you know, terriers. I have a one year old. Ah, uh, much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know these are these are choices. And these are the things that are well worth thinking about. You know, what if someone was watching me uh, every day, uh, would they say that I was more coach-like, more leader-like, more manager-like, or I've just about got the balance right uh, of these things? So leader, manager, coach, uh, how does that play out in your, in your mind um, for the next 100 days? What does it look like to you? Mm. And then, then perform it. Then go do it. Nice. So um, on my next thinking on the subject is whether you do this with your people immediately or you have a business plan to build first. Let's assume you have a business plan, but presuming you're starting in the third week of January, fourth week of January, um, you need to be conscious that these people may not have objectives for the year ahead. So many new people leaders I see forget the point of objectives for the first year because perhaps they've missed the window when they're supposed to be set. So first and foremost, after you've done a, a kind of a good one-to-one intimate conversation with your directs to kind of get a sense of how, who they are as an individual, to know them, focus them, value them, then I would say by separate conversation, thinking more manager-like now, what objectives have been set by the predecessor? And indeed, if you are in a brand new role, I guess, you're going to have to think about setting objectives for these people. Um, Most organisations tend to run objectives January through December. Uh, Let's assume that's the same. Um, But be aware that they may have had objectives set in the Q4, which now perhaps they're going to need a refocus. So review their objectives. And of course, if they had an end of year review by your predecessor, ask them to walk you through that particular experience. Um, And, you know, look, um, it will help you understand the sorts of things that they were kind of measured upon previously. Um, And of course, it allows you to then have a rethink of them and what they can bring to your new world. So uh, that is presuming you have a business plan. And I say a business plan because most functional leaders in theory should have an execution plan based on the vision and objectives that they've been given. So I'm imagining you should, I guess, after a bedding in period, be given a, these are the things we need you to achieve for the rest of this financial year. Actually sit down and think about how that can happen. Your stakeholders, the people you need to work with across the organization, the direct reports, uh, the suppliers, the education you might need, Uh, And so on and so on and build out that plan. Um, Interestingly, um, I normally start my business plan for the following year in December um, so that then I arrive for my management meetings. I tend to have in early January, which I have had. 
um, and we review the business plan and we talk about it. And I don't necessarily set objectives for the first three weeks because I want to make sure that everyone feels that they've had an opportunity to shape that that business plan in readiness for their objectives. So depending on where you are um, in the financial cycle that you are walking into, um, you know, and the type of role that you're doing, because, of course, you know, um, you have asked me to keep your identity very critically quiet for reputational risk of us asking you asking us for advice. But, you know, if, if you're in a performance role that is, you know, very heavily KPI'd, um, you know, th- th- I imagine the measurement for success is going to be quite quick. Um, however, um, you know, th- th- there is sometimes also other conditions you might walk into, such as, by the way, you are arriving. Um, but there's a recruitment freeze. So, you know, you are you were the last one before the shutters came down and you've got to work with what you got. So you have to work out whether you do shoot a, 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 a hostage, knowing that they are you are better off with nobody in that seat than 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 having someone in that seat. So those are all considerations. And, and the, the final thing I'm going to say, um, in addition to this, is be prepared to hit a wall. Um, I have had so many conversations um, in organisations currently that I work in, as well as previous organisations, where we all arrive with massive levels of optimism, enthusiasm, excitement for the new job. And we know what we're going to do and we're going to do it. Six weeks, we'll be flying. And then come 60, 70, 80 days, the reality hits. And actually, this is a two year turnaround. And do you know what? Until I opened the bonnet, I didn't realise what I was buying. And unfortunately, I didn't buy, I didn't really do a full engineer's check of this car or this plane before I bought it. And now I'm here. And that, look, you know, we have to forgive executive leaders for hiring you, selling the dream um, because they want to attract you in. So it's kind of, you know, there is going to be a reality check at certain points. But be careful on yourself in these situations and be mentally aware that you are probably going to look back and go, do you know what? If I, you know, if I need to recognize at some point I'm going to hit a wall and you will. I hit a wall in my current organization after about 60, 70 days thinking I could have a full um, organizational uh, headcount in place. Um, You know, some of it was realistic, some of it was not. But actually, the company is a complex business. So it's not as simple as you might think it is. Of course, if you do achieve it and you don't have that that burnout or that hitting the wall, happy days for you. But more often than not, I have seen too many people not recognizing when they join that they are going to have this hit. So I would I would be clever on this. And I've done this with a couple of people when they first join, when I have their introductory calls with me, when I'm talking to peers in in my leadership community. And I say, put a, put a one to one with me and in 60 days. And we'll have a catch up and see how things are. And lo and behold, these 60 day conversations happen and they're like, I'm so frustrated. And, you know, and 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 you don't want to say I told you so, because I don't want to be seen as one of those negative people in the business that's low will. No, I'm just being realistic because you want people to be sustainably successful um, and actually trying to set the world on fire in 60 or even 100 days is sometimes unrealistic, especially at the level you're coming in at. If you're in a really tactical management role, I think the turnaround could be potentially quicker. But there we go. What do you think? Uh, I think that I think that's so so relevant. And you I mean, you started off um, talking about uh, you know the, the clarity of objectives and um, you know really being very very tight because as you so rightly say, and so many organisations you 
you know, you get under the bonnet, you start having a chat with people and you realise that people, uh, even if they have objectives, sometimes they, they can be a little bit woolly, um, you know, they're, they're, or they're not buying them. Um, but, you know, there's a surprising number of people who work inside organisations without any real idea of what their objectives are coming up for the next three months, let alone the next 12 um, and so I, I would see that as quite a big win, actually, for people. But to, to balance that uh, is managing the board and the board's expectations. How many times have I seen people overpromise to the board and then uh, they end up as the, the most horrifying shock absorber between the overpromise to the board um, and then, you know, people... At, at, at other in other parts of the organization just thinking oh my god uh what have they done we cannot we cannot deliver this and then you then you create this terrible terrible brand uh within days you know because there is this 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 demand to to satisfy the expectations of the board so i you know i think there's a common theme in what we're talking about here and that's getting your people together and getting them close, up close and personal, um, and having your communications master plan together uh, with those people from day one. And and this is this is why I'm scared about anyone who's off message um, from that early stage. You know, they've got the memory chip from how we used to do things around here, um, and they're not really going to bloody change. And then, so someone on the board has a little conversation with them, and it's uh, we. He's overpromised. She's overpromised. We're never going to be able to deliver that. You know that, don't you? We're not going to do it. There's real. There's there's a whole lot of antipathy towards this plan. We're not. We're not. And then you're in trouble. Mm. And then you're fighting. You're fighting some very very unnecessary fires. Uh, and there are various things that we've said through this conversation uh, where get your people up close, interview them to start with, get every piece of data uh, with your HR people, anyone, just to make sure what you've got. You know, is this a high trust team? Because if it isn't, you're in trouble. That's one of the first priorities to get that right. Um, and then to get your communication, your master plan together, your communications master plan uh, with those people. So they are on side with it. Do, do or die because uh, that's got to be presented up to the board uh, sideways and downwards. Um, and that is, that is an essential, essential thing that links to those objectives that you were talking about. And what, what, what I was reflecting whilst you were talking about the lessons I've learned around the mistakes I've made um, when I've been in the first hundred days where I look back and think, oh, shit. Um, and actually, it's very much linked to what JB's just said, which is the board but actually, it's the opposite end. It's the willingness to try. You know, you, you're a new manager. Your director, of course, going to try and campaign what the last manager didn't listen to. You know, pay rises were too bad or bonus scheme is is is, is skewed, et cetera, et cetera. And at your level, it could be easy to quickly convince you because you are a blank canvas as to their way of thinking. And then it's much more tricky to backtrack. And I have been guilty um, in one of my management roles of falling straight into that trap where um, I had arrived um, in an office um, which had 15 salespeople in it and two of the salespeople were on an overage commission scheme um, and they hadn't told me about the overage oh, commission scheme. Yeah, they hadn't told me about the overage <laughs> commission scheme 
but they had said that for too long their targets had been inflated against the rest of the team in these particular months. Um, now, um, long story short, the um, they were correct when I looked into it that their targets were 40% higher than their peer group in a particular month. So, of course, I thought, yep, you know what, I'm going to be, you know, I'm a good new boss. I want to try and, you know, be fair. Um, and I checked in with the managing director that I was reporting into at the time. And he said, well, yeah, you know, your decision. But I don't I, I'm not aware of any reason why they've inflated these targets. So I, I matched the targets. And guess what? They went 40 percent over target and they got a huge overage commission, which represented 50 percent of their overage because it was so high. Um, and it turned out the reason they had it inflated was because they had some big things that they were hoping to sell, but they were incentivized by, because they'll get, you know, but they, we said that they, I think they were going to get kind of a 5% overage if they brought these deals in. But what they'd done in the meantime, you know, it was, it was a very sneaky play. And incidentally, I did exit um, both of them um, about six months later because I thought you've screwed me over. Um, so they were the, the, the hostage shot. But of course, that then messed up um, uh, the numbers because, um, you know, that there was, um, fortunately, um, the, uh, uh, the way I'd done the targeting um, for the for the upwards was that I expected to get 100% um, via 80% of my team hitting their number, if that makes sense. And that's how yeah. you, but anyway, long story short, I hit, but I didn't go the overage that I'd hoped to. And this is by being a little, so just, just be cautious don't make instant decisions because I paid the price for that. Um, and um, uh, I guess it's called pain learning, isn't it? <laughs> well, I so um, revenue recognition policies um, and all of these things, this fits into the manager, you know, the manager job that you have to do within those 100 days is, is having a damn good look uh, at how everything works. Um, and when you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, sort of um, things um, on balance and things off balance. So, you know, you would you would look underneath the bonnet and find things that are balancing um, and things that aren't balancing. And there's weird shit that comes in that people have promised and not casting any uh, nasturtiums on salespeople. Um, but, you know, sometimes things come in from nowhere uh, where something's been promised um, as, a, as an added value where actually it might be something that should be charged for. Um, and it's like a, it's like an off balance sheet. It's going to put you off balance. Uh, there's a whole load of things that can come in and, and scare, the, scare the shit out of you. Um, so I, as a, as a style, what is that? You know, that, I think that's quite curious. It's, it's that curiosity again and being skeptical. Mm. Like, how does that work? Where does that leave us? What, what is that thing there? What's that figure? Um, and, and discovering the profit engines in the business, the things that really make the money. Um, and sometimes it's actually quite hard to look inside an organization and actually see, you know, where where does that lead? Where are the costs against that? How do, how, you know that bit of work um, is is a is a is that is that part of that manager role? But there's a balance. There's a balancing act because you can't fix everything. 
Mm. And if you try and do that in your first 100 days, you you know, you'll, you'll probably have a coronary and it won't be a good idea. <laughs> um, so don't try and fix everything. Um, but, but, you know, I think it's asking the right questions, have an attitude uh, to ask un, uh, probably quite um, curious and sceptical questions and having that style um, and being naive. It's okay to be, it's, uh, it's okay, Ministry of Silly Questions is a, is a great way to frame a silly question. Mm. So from, from the Ministry of Silly Questions, I want to ask you, um, you know, how, how, where, how does that end up as, as profit for the business and how much? And what's against it? And what's going to be against it over the next three to six months? Is something I can't see here. I'm just curious. So that is is quite a good style uh, as as manager of the data uh, to to get that right, but not to let that um, make you a, a, fo- a completely operationally focused person. Get everyone else doing that work for you because you're asking the big challenging questions Mm. what does this do why does that happen don't try and fix everything and at the same time i'm going to pop this in there as well which is please please focus on some quick some really good quick wins Mm. know what your quick wins are identify them quite quickly um and then make sure make sure they're delivered on and and those are the things that you can take take those to the board and say um you know we've, we've delivered a b and c uh, above and beyond what you'd expected so in that way we're begin- we're building trust with the board and we've got that momentum around us and people are, are saying god we've got some wins here those wins can be uh things to, to do with uh revenues to do with finding out things that stop the company from achieving great things and dare I say, going back to that idea, getting rid of the constraints, what in whatever shape or format they come, sometimes, you know, by by actually taking a person out of the business or removing a system entirely that doesn't work, um, can can put someone at heroic status mm. uh, or heroin status because they've done it. They've yeah. just got the balls and they've won it. Uh, they've made that happen. Identify two, three of those uh, that will happen within those 100 days and galvanise people around it. So turning the subject slightly on its head here, um, I think from a practical self-discipline piece, a new role is a prime opportunity to really think about what the mistakes were you made in your previous job to organize yourself better um <clears throat> and things like um for example how you organize your one-to-ones in your calendar um you know when i first started in my current role i typically allowed people to pick and choose their regular frequent one-to-ones and put a recurring invite in my calendar um, since then, I've now organized all my one to ones and meetings to typically happen on a Monday. But whatever works for you, whether it's spreading it out across the week. But if you're expected to be, I don't know, out and about traveling between offices, for example, think about how you can organize your time better and the lessons you've learned previously. Um, so within the first hundred days, 
have that rhythm found. It might not be right the first iteration, but really think practically about how to organize yourself well um, and actually the frequency to be right for your one-to-ones um, based on what you know from your predecessor as well as what you know is requirement in terms of the the, the need of frequent communication. Uh, also, to JB's point on the quick wins, um, perhaps um, schedule uh, something in your calendar around the quick win to keep you in check with those quick wins. Um, I love using my calendar for reminders and bits and pieces like that. Um, one of the things I instigated when I first started in my current role as a recurring invite every Friday morning at eight o'clock local time is my ROR. You've probably heard of this, JB. I think I've talked mm. about it before. Um, rule of recognition. So every Friday at 8 a.m. UK time, I get a little pop-up, which reminds me, to do a rule of recognition. So I have to consciously think about somebody that I need to recognize um, with just a simple email and copying in their boss. And that doesn't necessarily have to be in your community, your direct reports or your indirect reports that report in through other people to you, but actually the wider organization. If you are a senior person in this organization, your reputation isn't just in question from your own team, but from others as well. And I can tell you, it very quickly establishes you as someone that's a bit different to do things like what I've just said. So I have a rule of recognition every Friday, someone in the business or someone I work with somewhere gets a small note from me just thanking them for the work they've done and I copy in their boss so that they then feel recognized for it. It's little things like that that can have a massive difference in terms of how you like to do things. Um, and, and it works for me at least i i, th- I think I, that's, that's such a good point actually because it balances out you know that well the leader manager coach you know if the coach is a very very catch big catch-all for actually uh you know y- your focus is actually helping people to, to think mm. and to do things differently um and it's a people focus rather than the business focus and sometimes i think new leaders get that horrendously wrong um they're under immense pressure particularly in a turnaround um, situation, uh, you know, when they're, they're, so, they're so on the detail, the board is driving them towards detail and they forget that, that important common touch, that, that, that recognition uh, of, of the brilliant things people do inside organisations and just calling it out and just mm-hmm. saying, do you know what, um, I really appreciated that, that and I really appreciated what you did. Uh, on that project or whatever, I I think that's I think that's so important that point that you just made there, and I I think the other the other thing that I want to add, and and this isn't this isn't necessarily um, tied towards commercial people, almost the opposite actually as a discipline, is to go and speak to some customers. You know, in a commercial organisation, you know, if you're if you're new in an operational role um, or whatever it happens to be, and you make it your business to go and speak to, you know, five, seven customers, um, you know, maybe a certain number a week, uh, and just just go and find out what what the customer view is. And, you know, to just take it on the chin if it's not so great, if it's great, brilliant, you know, and, and actually the effect that that will have, um, not only in your understanding of how the business is perceived externally, the customer experience and how it could be greater, uh, it, it also sends one hell of a signal out uh, to everybody in the organization, you know, oh my God, you know, um, so-and-so from accounts, you know, new finance director went out and talked to three customers. Um, and has come back with some really interesting ideas. 
wow, you know, this is going to give um, a, a, a lot of credibility, I think, to to that individual um, just to go and check out. So, if, you know, if you're talking about the uh, the business and and that you give it a shit, you give a shit about the experience of everyone who has a stake in it, from customers to shareholders to suppliers to employees. Go go and talk to them. Go and talk to them. If you can fit it in, it, it, it's such an important thing for understanding where the business is and your part in it. Uh, but what a message it gives off. Yeah. Um, we've got time for one more tip each, I think. We're at about 50 minutes now. So um, as ever, we uh, uh, have filled the airwaves suitably, I suspect. How do we do it, And I, Well, I don't know. Bearing in mind, I only had a list of six bullets on a piece of paper in readiness for, <laughs> for this one. Um, so uh, my, I guess uh, back to the time management piece for me is uh, blocking time for you to do your admin. It is very easy in the first 100 days to do everything that we've just said and not much else. But don't forget you have a day job um, and that could be responding to emails effectively. And and the beauty is, by the way, in the first probably 14, 21 days, I found um, you tend to always be like, okay, right, I've got nothing to do now because people don't know you well enough yet to start reaching out with certain things. There'll be some noisy ones and they're the ones to perhaps take with a pinch of salt before making snap decisions but um just be conscious that sooner rather than later that inbox will start to become busier and busier um i think on an average day these days i still get over 40 emails a day um even by me filtering things out and so on um so actually you know i typically need to respond to 15 or 20 a day and i'm on cc for some others etc you need to build in time for that um don't get into that 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 unmovable um, uh, um, cycle of being in back-to-back meetings all day and getting to the end of the day thinking I've had a great day with lots of great conversations but I've not achieved anything so build in time in your calendar um, I try and block out at least five hours a week as I can um, where possible to do stuff um, fortunately with flying as you meet no JB that's always a good time when everything's in flight mode so you can actually get through some of your admin but if you think about that same ability in your connected world to disconnect from everything um and if you're working in an open plan office those are the times when you need to go in a side office or choose things on a work from home day to really get through some of that stuff because you know it's the things your head's getting over and over cluttered because you're very conscious about learning new information you've got this lack of technical skills of the organization that you're now in a leadership position of and you need to invest time in yourself to get um you know, abreast of that type of thing. Um, and, you know, um, uh, read trade industry news, for example, um, and things like that. That's always very helpful, I've found, because at least you can kind of get a flavor for for, for, for the, the types of conversations and people you're talking to. Um, I'm three years into to my current role, and I still don't know all of the, 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 the technicalities of what we offer. But what I can tell you is I can have a good conversation with most of our clients, for example, um, on the basis that I've done enough research in these times that I've dedicated to just get my hand in the pie. And the truth is, at your level, I would assume you're not being brought in for your technical skills because that's what your people are that are reporting into you have. This is about you driving an agenda for the organisation, which is quite high level and strategic, not much else. So that's my final tip from me. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. I'm actually, I'm going to take from that myself um, because, you know, at the beginning of the 
new year uh, to to get focused again, you know, is is really hard. So I I've just been drawing up lists of everything, everything going round in my head, uh, and just putting it down, putting it down, and then crossing it off when I've done it, prioritizing it. And I and I'm I'm really really I'm I'm quite proud of myself for getting getting through these. Uh, yeah, I could I oh oh. Yeah, that looks good. And let me, you, let me show you mine. Right. Then in so that there's case, there's fourteen on my list, and I have um, one, two, yeah, three, see, four left. There's mine. Look, oh, very ground bird, JB. Yeah, I know, I know. I've, I have been a a twenty twenty ground bird. But here's my here's my tip, and I'm going to combine two elements, um, and hopefully not confuse everybody with it. But uh, I was given some uh, advice once by a consultant who was consulting uh, a company. Uh, I worked for many, many moons ago and uh, he was American and he said, uh, hey, JB, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to be liked? Do you want to be trusted or do you want to be respected? Which one's most important to you? I have a Texas relevant uh, uh, relative once. Um, I said, I said that, an I, I, sorry, I thought that was a Dutch accent there. You're so mean. Anyway. So I this this idea of like trust and respect, and it was a hell of a challenge because, as a young manager, I thought, well, I you know I quite like to be liked actually, and that's quite a fun thing. And but the, but what it really made me feel is actually which of those is most important, like trust or respect? I think on balance, I, I think trust was the one that really really was the learning from that conversation just that little conversation really really was a little bit of a game changer for me i think i was i was i was very keen to be liked in those uh, early days i'm still quite like to be liked now uh, if i ever got a chance um but um trust trust is yeah. trust is big trust is big so now i'm going to combine it with the second bit of learning um and that is that in so many pieces of research um honesty uh, is perceived by employees as one of the most important things that they expect from their leaders. Sadly, uh, the statistics show uh, that it is actually disappointingly low uh, in so many corporate organisations. So I think there's a real win here uh, about uh, being honest. And the statistics that I've also looked at is that the more assertive you are, in a business, the more assertive you are, asserting your point, asserting your position and your plan, uh, the more honest you are perceived to be. Mm. So I'm just going to throw those things out there as a as a positioner for this person. How do you want to be perceived? Do you do you want to be liked? Do you want to be do be do you, do you want a high level of trust? Do you want a high level of respect? All three. Uh, and uh, you know how are you going to how are you going to do the assertive thing, um, you know? And you know what's what's your video going to look like? And that's it. Oh, there we go. Um, so hopefully that has given you some food for thought, uh, dear listener, that notified us of this topic. And good luck, of course, on your job. And I would appreciate some acknowledgement. I know it will be anonymous, perhaps in four, six, eight weeks time as to what's worked and what hasn't worked, because we can then feed that into a follow up. And if you're brave enough, feel free to. Oh, JB's playing with his microphone. Um, feel free to. Oh, he's muting himself so we can have a little cough. Very clever. You see, I have faders. I can fade. 
now. You can't hear that, but the listener can. Anyway, oh. um, so hopefully... I that's... don't have that facility. No. No, now, now, um, listeners, um, we know there's more than one. And by the way, I have to tell you, JB, um, I won't say which podcast, um, but I am privy to um, insight to a podcast that was launched similar time to us. <gasps> and um, I had an email from them the other day uh, telling me their download numbers since they launched. Now, they have done uh, eight episodes, I think it is, and I think we were, we were at 10-ish. Um, but I can tell you that we have uh, seven times more downloads than they've had in the same period. Good grief. But I have no idea why, by the way. I don't know what it... We, we still, we, we've had some lovely reviews on the various podcast platforms, but please can you give us more insight? Now, I know I said in the last podcast, New Year's resolution is to have an email address for us dedicated where you can email us questions. I'm sorry to say that I'm yet to fulfill that pledge, but I, pro- uh. I promise by the next week's recording, we will have it. Um, and if I don't, I will then do the following podcast naked. Oh, you know what happened last time you promised that. Yeah, I know. It got me, got me in the news. You know, hey, it mm. builds your reputation. Anyway, so look, two things here, folks. Number one, um, please leave us your feedback. If you love the podcast, of course, please give us a five-star rating and also comment. Um, we've got lots of, of of ratings on the platforms now, which are all positive and really good. Um, but we would like some more comments because that helps steer what we think about and do. Secondly, if you think we're shit, number one, why have you listened for an hour to tell us this on a platform? Instead, if there's some things we can do better, please email us um, through our various social media channels. You can find us on Lead Learn Pod on Twitter. Look me or JB up on LinkedIn, for example, and I promise you'll have an email address where you can spew fe- you know, and vent anger at will um, if you so wish. Um, but in addition to that, one of the things that has proved very popular with our listeners, which I have had positive commentary around, is listener questions, um, where you send in your questions to us. Uh, and we have normally, I guess, a couple of minutes, no more to answer them. Uh, and um, I'll be honest, because we've been off air for probably four weeks now, um, we've not necessarily really driven that to people to submit them. But I do have two questions for the podcast this week. Um, but please do send in your questions um, and they can be via social media. They can be via text message, WhatsApp, however you want them to come to us. We can also do them anonymously or publicly. I'm pleased to say both of the questions are public questions that I can announce their names and they can listen out to themselves. Isn't that nice? Lovely. Um, quick shout out to Amber, by the way. She said a lovely comment on social media uh, yesterday. Oh, nice. Well, actually, no, it was a few nice. days ago now thinking about it. Sorry, my phone's going nuts. Um, anyway, so I need, because it was quite a while ago when the question was, please feel free to ramble a second, JB, whilst I find the question. I was just thinking about um, us uh, going into 2020 and thinking about my sign off line, which I always like to give some sort of uh, angle. And I feel that I want to be tough on mediocrity and the causes of mediocrity. I'm a bit thick. What do you mean? Pardon? What do you mean mediocrity? I'm thick. Oh, well, um, people, uh, things where they don't achieve fantastic levels of quality, like our, like our podcast. <laughs> I and I, I'm, I'm, I want to be tough on oh. on on things that are just a little bit mediocre. 
And I'm, I'm going to apply that to myself. So I am opening the channels up uh, on this podcast for our listeners if there are things. And so last year, one of the wonderful bits of feedback that I had was, sorry, am I boring you? <laughs> it's mediocrity, JB. <laughs> um, it's been a long the, day. The, how you pronounce Moet et Chandon, for example. Uh, these are very useful things. So if there's anything that I do or Ant does, or I'd be very surprised if Ant did anything to annoy anyone, um, do, do, do let us know because, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to be mediocre. Mm. Uh, we, want to be, we want to be bloody good at this. And it's fun. And actually your feedback is really, really important to us in getting this right. So we've got, you know, we've got big, big plans and, and big things that we want to do. Um, so do, do to, to get whatever listeners we've managed to take from 2019 into 2020, thank you for coming with us on this, on this trip. And, uh, you know, do, do help us to uh, make this better and better. I have found the question. Have I, it, I've just, in true broadcast fashion, I just kept on going until I got the nod from you. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So whilst <sighs> we are not sat in the same location, by the way, we will be doing some of these face-to-face soon. We have some trips planned. So, um, But January normally is a big planning month for, for both of us. I was actually supposed to be in Hong Kong this week, but I managed to get out of it, um, which is good news. Anyway, right, I found the question. Um, it is from a gentleman called Michael, who is based in Bedford in the United Kingdom. Um, and he um, runs a small IT development team. And his question is this, JB. You have a team of people yeah. who are already working on an urgent project, but you were then asked by your management to give another urgent project to your team. How would you deal with this and delegate it to your team without causing frustration to them as a result of overburdening? Thanks, Michael. Oh, Michael. I mean, it sounds like the team's already pretty overburdened with what they've got already. I think you might be right. And you have this prospect of giving them another project, which is equally burdensome. So if it were me, and again, it's about expectations, I, if, you, if, you ha- if it's absolutely critical for the business that this is going to happen, it's got to happen willy-nilly the the only way to do this is to share it with the team and to to share the um the risk of doing it of, of not doing it uh the benefit of doing it is that that old balance between benefits and consequences the benefits of doing it are uh that as a business you know we're going to retain this client we are going to uh, practice our skills of of taking on more work like this um and uh uh, therefore uh, you know establish greater skill at managing more things together in this way uh which can only lead to one thing which is more you know billable hours or however they work Mm. uh which which you know there there are benefits to do somewhere in 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 everyone pulling together around this uh that there are some benefits but equally being honest about it there are some consequences and those consequences might be uh, that we're going to have people who might burn out. We have some um, consequences where people might need to work longer hours. Um, but maybe as part of that, we can put that into benefits that actually, if that, if that, if people are willing to do that, 
then you know maybe we can we can think about uh, compensation for that. Uh, so I think my my suggestion is to get a great big flip chart uh, and put on one side you know the benefits and on the other the consequences uh, of doing or not doing this. Uh, you know what are the risks uh, of, of doing it or not doing it. Um, and actually just work with the team. See yourself, uh, Michael, as the facilitator, uh, getting your team to help you solve this problem. Because it, it does sound like a, I don't know whether it is surmountable, insurmountable, but if it, if it isn't, um, then clearly uh, there's a way through. But don't carry all of that on your own shoulders, for heaven's sake. Uh, I think you need to get your team together um, in a really honest way. Get them, get them a cup of coffee, and just say, "Right, uh, I'm going to identify the problem that we have uh, and to articulate it in the way that I I propose." Mm, what's left? I don't know what else to say, really. No, um, I guess uh, the only thing I would add to that very um, detailed response would be. Um, to acknowledge that there is clearly an unsustainable level of work, but actually what you, I think, needs to support. I'm presuming that you are suggesting you've agreed to take on this additional project. I can only assume from the question, Michael. Um, if that is the case, um, it is a case of saying to the team that are now going to be, in theory, overburdened, um, this is short term and we need, and I need to take responsibility to think more proactively in the future. Um, and I think there needs to be an honest conversation upwards to say, right, my team are going to support this this time, um, you know, and I'll make sure that happens. And you communicate to the team that you are supporting it this time. But critically, oh, JB's flipped himself. Um, what did you do that for? You scared me. Um, uh, uh, th then what I think you need to do is, is to be honest with your management above and to say there needs to be a protocol in place in future. Um, because this is not gonna um oh my goodness um this is not sustainable i don't know if i can do this I've, so jb's jb's facetiming me for today's recording and he's superimposed um a monkey face Hang on, i'm going going to no put the put the monkey back on it's much better you want the monkey okay yeah i don't want the jb with the joker there we go right that is possibly going to be our um image for this month's week's podcast beautiful um, I, I can only do that on my phone. You're on. Uh, you're connected via my iPad. Um, so that's that, Michael. Hopefully that helps. Um, please let us know how it goes, and hopefully you don't have uh, too much burnout um, in your first hundred days. Um, JB's now gone to an octopus. Um, yeah, technology, huh? <laughs> um, it, uh, my my son likes to use the poo emoji. Um, so if you can find that, please, whilst um, I look the next question up, that'd be great. Um, I don't think I have a poo. and I've got a... Oh, yes, I do. Sorry, I'm doing the poo. There we are. Oh, my goodness. That's a sneaky little smile you've got there, JB. And it means nothing to the listeners. Um, next question, or final question, because we've only got two. From right, I'm taking this off, so you can take me seriously. Sorry. I, I got, wait wait uh, for the question. <laughs> Um, Amelia from uh, the Czech Republic has sent us a question uh, via LinkedIn. Um, she works for a HR organization and she asks us, uh, people or business, rank them and why? <gasps> oh. Oh. 
it's um it's going to be a 5149 from me um because i think that that is a very tricky question to answer which is why you probably answered asked it for fun um i don't know amelia by the way um but i, I have no ambition to know you any better now than this thanks for that um jb yeah so he's going to put an emoji back on now is that is that frustrated by it uh right i think i'm going to do that one nice you're going to be a mouse um so um oh yeah, that, so um, Christabel's not going to take you seriously either because she's now going to see no, you on the corner. Okay, now I'm going to take that off. Outrageous. Um, in fact, I can't, <laughs> I can't take it off. I can't take my mouth. Oh, there yeah, it is. Yeah. My mouse face. Right. Okay. So now then, um, if I was to wait it, right. So organisations, uh, unless they are AI organisations, they don't have anyone in them. Um, then that business is you know a, a a business business not a people business but i'm i'm going to i'm going to put uh people at 70 percent uh of the if i if i can do it as 100 percent. Mm-hmm. so people people being 70 percent, and uh, thank god i think that is still very much the, the the case you know people uh create the conversation in an organization uh they they create the energy uh the values uh, the purpose of that uh, business, I think. It, I think it's it's important for our society. I think it's important for community. I think it's it's important for the world um, for us to recognise that um, businesses and organisations are are people first. And I, I, there's a there's a there's a really good thing about the question that I like, um, and that is you know which people uh, because. I'm, I'm going to. I'm probably going to take this a little further than than um, necessary, and that, and that is that it's it's all people. It's 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 the shareholders. It's the customers. Uh, it's the employees. It's the suppliers. It's the community. It's the it's the whole the whole gambit. It's it's the people in it that make it work. It's the people that do it. It's the conversations that happen. It's the innovation that come from people still. Uh, there are there are very scary conversations going on about things changing with AI in the future, and uh, I hope I don't live long enough. Ooh, that'll, that'll just touch some wood um, for for the world to be dominated by by robots inside organisations, and that people become uh, obsolete. Mm. That isn't that isn't the case. That's my statistic, and I'm going to stick with it. So I am going in the same order but I would put slightly less weighting on humans. But I would totally agree with you. I went to a, I've been to two conferences about AI. One was empowering and exciting about how it could make people free up to do the more strategic stuff. And the other bit basically said, you're all screwed, you may as well quit now. I think there's a tipping point um, between humans and robots, by the way, because ultimately when the robots, if they are in theory taking over, uh, they're not producing a wealth for the people to fund their own existence. <laughs> they won't develop further uh, and their electricity won't even be powered to keep them alive um, without people producing money. Money makes the world go round with people, not with technology. Technology enhances it, I don't think. I don't think uh, technology can exist without people, but people can exist without technology. There we go, on that side note. Can I? I'm sure I read something recently which intrigued me, and I I didn't have time to fully explore it. But it was um, a little frog that was an electronic gadget. It was a device 
a, a sort of a, a, a thing, man-made, um, but but it included a stem cell. Um, so it was kind of half robot, half half animal. Um, and the exciting possibility of this little frog, this little thing that had been created, was that it could it could have a major contribution to uh, cleaning up the the climate and and might go off and munch loads of plastic or something in the sea oh i heard about that uh, you, yeah, yeah which i thought wow that that if we could if we could do that i mean i wouldn't mind i'd have a little i'd have a couple of them there was i've got another, a couple of border terriers why not a couple of electronic frogs there's another article i read recently on a we're going way off piece with a question but anyway quickly um the <laughs> uh, the uh they, they've been testing last year in the uk i think in the nhs national health service here they call it um uh, robots checking breast scans and they um, actually had a better success rate than the doctors at identifying early signs of breast cancer. Is that right? Um, Blimey. But they, they were they were cross-checked by a doctor. So they were checked by yeah. two doctors, apparently. But actually, the speed of them being... They could produce, you know, in 30 seconds, 30, um, you know, acknowledgements of, of, you know, they could scan 30. Um, and in the same time, you and I could only look at one or two. So the idea of if 30 are scanned and three are positive and 27 are negative, those three are getting a much better personal look by a human as such. Anyway, I, I go by the by. So I think there's absolutely some some benefits to AI. Um, but um, to agree with JB, but not quite to the extent that it is, I think 51%, 55 maximum people, 45% um, business. And I think of it from... Um, it's going to sound controversial, the side of the shareholder, um, because the shareholder clearly needs to keep their people. And in order to keep people, you have to make them want to come purpose, values, benefits, and, and actually feel like they belong somewhere. Um, but ultimately, um, if the shareholder is disincentivized by the legislation that exists in a jurisdiction and or disincentivized by overpowered people, to control their shares, they will simply take their investment elsewhere. Um, so I do think that they hold the the balance of power, no question of that. But in terms of the balance being um, almost two to one, I think is a is a uncomfortable risk um, personally. Um, but on that bombshell, um, we will leave it there. And um, Mr. Bradley, what are you up to for the next, uh, I guess, few days between recordings? Oh well, um, I'm I'm going to I'm, I'm I'm quite excited about these electronic frogs. I think that's something I'm going to do a little bit more research about because I want one. Um, my old border terrier is looking a bit ropey, so I think maybe um, in the future uh, I might be looking to replace it with a frog. Um, I've got I've got lots of proposals to do. I've got an influx You're married, of for goodness' sake. <laughs> I've got an influx of, uh, of a, a really exciting work actually coming in. And uh, what else? Um, I'm, I'm picking up my bike um, to go cycling on Sunday, weather permitting, uh, with a bunch of mates. We're going to start off small, which is the way to do this, and then gradually get further and further afield. So uh, once upon a time, I did cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats. I'm not going to be doing that. Um, but I am going to cycle to my nearest town, which is Canterbury and back. Um, so 650 and, miles to 14. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think it's a thousand miles actually from Land's End to John O'Groats, approximately. Is it? Averaging about 80 miles a day. Yeah, wow, that's what we it? did. 80 miles, I was cycling 80 miles a day um, when I was younger and fitter. In fact, I wasn't fitter. I was smoking, chain smoking at the, in those days. Not anymore. No, we just eat um, our way through. Yeah, that's, that's me. Enough about me. What about you, Ant? Um, packing at home. We are due to move, I think, in the next few weeks. We really need to start getting our our stuff together um sorted so if nothing else the house move promotes clearing out the clutter so that's good for me i hate clutter with a passion um with the exception of my office which seems to store hordes of uh, of training documentation um uh, work-wise as i mentioned i was due in hong kong which actually meant that my calendar was blocked out for those meetings so I've, i'm pretty lucky but i've got a ton of stuff to do on the year plan um i have a conference i'm going to two weeks today which i am kind of co-leading um with one of my team um which needs some further thinking in hungary where i think one of our podcasts previously were recorded Mm. um and i am also uh getting ready for a conference as i mentioned that's happening in paris in february which i need to lose weight so that i don't look like a fatty man on stage as i currently do so get back to the the lean mean machine that i once was and then keep off this time You'll always be a beautiful man to me. Mm. I don't care what you're saying. Likewise. But isn't it a shame we've not recorded one of these in our hotel room recently? We need to, to sort that out. We really do. I know. I always, I much prefer looking at you directly um, rather mm. than on a screen. But it's, you know, it's nice anyway. Amusingly, I'm watching the, the, the screen. And when I put my hand up to your camera, your face glows a different colour. Because my, my, I'm putting my, my skin colour of my hand looks glowing you red. And... Yeah, I think we probably need to, to sign off now. The listener's probably thinking, OK, I've yeah. done, gone as far as I can with this now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, so... yeah. It's it's it. I think it has come to the end. I, I, there's, I think we're 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 drained now of, of any any sort of entertainment value for anybody. Um, so uh, for the listener, it's been a blast. If you've got this far, uh, it's been very very exciting. I hope, and um, we're going to be tough on mediocrity this year, even if Anne doesn't understand what it means. And on that note, ta ta. Bye bye.